listening to the bob and bo show here are your hosts ty bob ty bo and sean welcome back to the show everyone i am ty bob joined by ty bo sean is not currently here we're recording a little bit early ty bo is on vacation uh but sean will join us here in a little bit um man we've got one heck of a game coming up this week it's probably the most anticipated game of the season um, probably by been circled since late. the off season, man. Like, and this is going to be a continuing thing. Like, uh, one thing that a lot of people were talking about over the off season is who are the Chiefs' new rivals? Um, because of all the all the uh, movement that was coming around in the AFC West, and a lot of people want to still stay on the Raider train or stay with the with the the Broncos, and now they've got the newly found uh, Chargers with Herbert, but like. Each one has continued to show over in the past and currently this year that they're still not near the level that Kansas City is, which is surprising given that Tyreek is gone. And the thing that – And the amount of work those teams did to to match us in the offseason. Right. Uh, And the one thing that everybody kept coming back to was like the Bills. The Bills are the new rivals. It's the Bills, it's the Bills, it's the Bills, which is really hard to say because – we're not in the same division. Like that is not a rivalry that can continue to coexist except a weight. It can the way that the NFL shapes out the best teams play against the best teams nearly every year. So for the last three years, if we look at our schedule, like the chiefs have played the bills for the last three years straight, or this will be the third year. If I remember correctly, and that this, trend... this is Brady and Manning reincarnated, exactly in almost a better form. Like way both better of the form. quarterbacks, yeah. Both Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes can do more athletically than Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. So we are going to get wilder games as it continues to go on. Now I will say, Justin Herbert and the Chargers as a rival was shaping up to be incredible because divisional rival level of quarterback play you get out of Justin Herbert, but it's not – the injury definitely this year affects it. it. You know, Justin Herbert isn't exactly 100% Justin Herbert this year, right. but Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes is 100% Brady versus Manning reincarnated. And even back then, there was still a clear and cut number one QB, just as much as there's a clear and cut number one QB today. You know who that is. It's PM2, baby. You can't you can't mix it up. With that said, before we get too much into today's uh, uh, breakdown of the game, um, there, Tybo and I, we, we, we got a notification from a friend. Uh, this top five will be coming from uh, Stephen Butler. We appreciate you uh, for putting this out. Uh, but but Tybo started doing a little bit of research, messaged the group, and um, he found that there was another list out there like this that was put out, I believe, last year by uh, a, a Twitter group that we 
will not name, but we generally do not get along. If you look at my timeline, you will see that there is uh, probably one Twitter group that I uh, call out the most for uh, calling out people who they think are idiots um, and then dismantle them or try to d- disparage them, I should say, uh, and then end up being completely wrong nearly every single time. Uh, so with that said, Tybo, please give us your fantastic top five. Can I can I say the entity that created this, the other list? I won't, but you most certainly can. Okay, Arrowhead Live came out with a top five kick returner, punt returner list for the Chiefs just last year. And they didn't include like anybody like past Dante Hall, like like early, earlier in our history past Dante Hall. They included Niall Davis on the list. They, to me, that just means they didn't do their research because Niall Davis is not in the top five of returners in Chiefs history. But my list is slightly different. I'm doing just punt returners. And for some reason, my brain thought Jamal Charles had returned a punt for the Kansas City Chiefs. I wanted to have him on the list. I mean, damn near could have been number one because you see what he could what he could do in the kick return game. He had he had an they didn't keep him back as a kick returner because of how important he was to the offense. But if he if his job was solely a return guy, like Jamal Charles would have blown everybody else away. And that's saying a lot because we've had Dante Hall. But I'm I'm coming at you with the top five punt returners in Chiefs history. And I, ha- I have six names. I have one honorable mention for you. Um, and the, the top five are, are pretty much far and away our top five punt returners. Um, there's a number of, of Chiefs players that have had one punt return touchdown. Um, but from that, the six names that I give you have more touchdowns than just one. Um, so I'm going to start off with my honorable mention. We have Dale Carter, um, who was a defensive back. Um, he switched between uh, corner and safety quite frequently. Um, I believe he played – where's he at here? I believe he played – okay, so we drafted him in 1992 in the first round. So he was a first-round draft pick. Um, very impressive corner for us. Um, DB in general. He was a very impressive DB. Um, but he is the only one on the list that has two touchdowns in the punt return game. Every other punt returner that had any sort of prominence outside of this list for the Chiefs, one touchdown. Dale Carter is the only person with two, which is why he gets honorable mention. So moving on to the actual top five. Some of these names you're going to recognize, and some of them you're really not. Um, I, at number five, we have, and if he ever hears wind of me saying his name, if I butcher it, I'm sorry. It's Tamarick Vanover. He was a third-round draft pick, uh, mid to late 90s, stayed with us. Um, I think he was the punt returner that came right before Dante Hall. Like, we kept him until we got Dante Hall. But he's number two in overall yardage uh, in punt returns. Um, I think he has three or four touchdowns as a punt returner. 
Um, his name is not well known in Chiefs history. Like I did not know that name when I was doing my research, but his his average is still plus ten um, on punt returns. He's average of of at least ten yards of punt return, which is pretty decent. Um, <clears throat> counter example, uh, Javier Arenas, um, late two thousands, early twenty tens. Um, did a lot of punt returning for us. He still had like a 9.1 average. So he doesn't make the list. And he only had one touch, one punt return touchdown. But when you get above that that 10 yard uh per return, like you're in a you're in a pretty elite group. Um so that's why that's why uh Tamarick Vanover makes number five. Um, because I mean he's number two overall in punt return yardage. Um, but I definitely don't think he's the best punt returner in our history. Number four may surprise a lot of people that he's not higher on the list, but I got Tyreek Hill. Um, Tyreek handled punt duties off and on. Um, definitely early in his career, like he was kind of the main guy, but we would put him back there when we needed a big play. Um if we were ever in a close game or a game that kind of meant a little bit more, Tyreek would see a little bit of work back there. Um, but definitely later on in his Chiefs career, we tried to limit that because we needed him on, off- on offense. Kind of the same thing for Jamal Charles. We weren't going to risk an injury in the return game when we need somebody like that on offense. <clears throat> right above Tyreek Hill, this was really close. I, I, I went back and forth, and some people are not going to like this, but – Number three is Dexter McCluster. A slightly higher average on punt return yardage. Uh, I believe Tyreek returned 80-something punts, and Dexter McCluster was in the 70s, but he had a higher average of yards per return. Tyreek had four touchdowns. Dexter McCluster had three. But... I don't know if the rest of the league was expecting Dexter to be as dynamic in the return game. He was kind of known as a gadget guy on offense. Um, but I I loved watching him return kicks. I thought he showed out. Um, we've, we've had a bunch of almost like copies of Dexter McCluster throughout our recent history. Think of guys like DeAnthony Thomas. Um DeAnthony was considered for the list, but only had one touchdown as a punt returner. It was an 80-yard. It was a long punt return. Um, but he didn't do enough work back there to make top five. Um, but Dexter McCluster definitely did. And that's why you see him at number three. Number two, a name not very many people are going to know. I didn't know it. Um, but he leads the Chiefs. Uh, for career punt return yards. His name is J.T. Smith. He played in the late 70s and most of the 80s. Um, He was with Kansas City from 1979 to 1984. Um, But like I said, he owns the most yardage as a punt returner in Chiefs history. Now, the reason why he doesn't make number one on the list is because you got a guy like Dante Hall. Human joystick. 
<laughs> the human joystick. The man was electric. The man holds our record for most return touchdowns, punt and kick return, separately and together. Um, so Dante Hall scored more touchdowns and less yardage, um, and in less attempts. Um, so JT Smith could have an argument for number one, but you don't beat out Dante Hall. Dante Hall is the best punt returner that the Chiefs have ever experienced. And guys, I like I wanted Jamal Charles on this list. Jamal, if he wasn't the focus of our offense, could have been special. Tyreek Hill, if he wasn't the focus of our offense, could have been even more special in the return game. So the, the Chiefs have been blessed with a lot of electric players, um, lots of fast guys that know how to just like make moves in the open field. So I thought top five punt, punt returners would be a cool one to do before the Bills game. Um, I just hope Sky Moore can keep that tradition going. That's awesome. I mean, I, they're, most of those names I had not heard before. Um, so that's interesting. Um, uh, you know, personally, before you had had given your reasons why, I would have expected Tyreek Hill to be much higher on that list. But like you said, when you look back at his career, he really only had two full seasons as as the punt returner um, before he became the crucial part of the offense and we couldn't keep him there. And I guess that's just a little bit of recency bias, knowing that when we did put him back there in those crucial games, like everyone got scared. I think after his second year, absolutely, they put him back there and nobody punted to him. I believe it was the Bills game um, during the playoffs of last season when we had the comeback in 13 seconds. We put Tyreek back there. And they just punted the ball straight out of bounds, like it, it was a it was a shank. Like not only are coaches in those in those punters, big moments, like he's going to be back there, and like when, even even like coaches will tell the punters not to punt there. Putting Tyreek back there gets in the punter's head so bad that not only do they not kick to him, but it just goes out of bounds after thirty seven yards. It just it gets in everyone's head that oh no, this one's going to the house for sure. When we'd have guys like D-Rob back there when Tyreek was still on the team, Ugh. we were begging for Tyreek to be back there. McColl was really shaky in his early years as a punt returner because he dropped a few. Mm-hmm. And like Chief fans were begging for Tyreek to be more involved in the punt game because we didn't have a solid second guy or a, a solid punt returner to take that role. Kansas City Chiefs, known for linebackers, offensive linemen, and punt returners. You'll love to see it. (laughs) Well, folks, we do have probably, like I said, the best game of the season coming at you in the 325 hour, which it should be, it should have been flexed. There are no flex availabilities until week nine. It cannot go to Mondays. It cannot go to Thursdays when flex is involved. Um, So, we just kind of have to sit and eat this one. I don't know what the NFL was thinking. But we've got an injury report to come to you. And the good news is, is we have got three players that have been injured and out for multiple games, uh, well, at least one game, the rest of multiple games, that had their first full participation today, which is Thursday. That's Harrison Bucker, Mike Dana, and Trey Smith. All had full practices for the first time this week. 
that's really, really good news. So before we get to the good news, let's start off with those who did not practice over uh, Wednesday and Thursday. That would be Brian Cook and Rashad Fenton. Now, Brian, he is in concussion protocol, more than likely will not play on Sunday. Rashad Fenton has a light hamstring issue. They're holding him out of practice. We'll have to see how that one goes. We can only hope that he comes back. But uh, there is good news as Trent McDuffie did also practice this week. Do not believe he's going to be back. Uh, However, he is not listed on the injury list. So So why don't you think he's going to be back? uh, Maybe not back in a full capacity, I should say. I think I think there's a large possibility that he plays, um, but at full capacity, most likely not. Just as they try to work him in off after that big injury that he had. Uh, we'll move on. Chris Lamons did not practice until today, but he did have a full practice. Turk Wharton, Tershawn Wharton, will be out for the rest of the season with a torn ACL. Harrison Bucker had a light practice on Wednesday, but full practice today, Thursday. Frank Clark was a light practice yesterday and a no-show today due to illness. This is consistent and constant with Frank Clark. We should know this by now. Uh, One last player to have a light practice on Wednesday, but a full practice today, like I said, was Mike Dana. And the rest of the players who had full practices or weren't on the injury list on Wednesday, but were today, are as follows, Travis, excuse me, Travis Kelsey, Nick Bolton, McCall Hardman, Sky Moore, Trey Smith, Juju Smith-Schuster, and finally, Justin Reed. He was not listed on Wednesday, but he was listed today. Moving on to the Buffalo Bills, they have also got a handful of uh, injuries. Um, They do have two players that were non-participants on Wednesday and Thursday. That is Tywin Jones, one of their running backs, and Jake Kumaro, one of their wide receivers. Players with light practice designations on both days are uh, corner Christian Benford, uh, linebacker Tremaine Edwards, or Edmonds, that's a big one, Kair Alexander, uh, Daquan Jones, uh, Dawson Knox, and that will round out both designations of light practices. Uh, there was some, uh, a few, or no, excuse me. They also have Jordan Phillips and uh, Jordan Poyer, who is out with his ribs. Uh, they've got a few, um, like Ed Oliver, their defensive tackle, uh, Isaiah McKenzie, one of their receivers, Cam Lewis, a corner, uh, and a couple other on here that are lower down on the depth charts that did have full practice designations. Um, so both both teams should have a few that will be out Uh, But most importantly, Kansas City will have a few that will be out that will most impact our season. Uh, Now, the cool thing is, is even though Turk Wharton is out for the season with the torn ACL, we did bring in um, a defensive tackle. Taylor Taylor Stallworth. There we are searching for it. He's been on a practice squad for the season. He was with the Colts last year. He did uh, join us in preseason and get to play there. Uh, a little bit, so we do know his worth. He can come in as a rotational piece and and play fairly well. Um, I was crossing dude. my fingers for Danny Shelton. Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> Is he still on our practice squad, isn't he? I have no idea. I haven't been paying attention to that. Sadly, there's a reason why that guy is 
not on anybody else's roster after being a first round pick. It's quite sad. Um, Cause you know, the talent that was there, it seems to be just a work ethic issue. Um, seeing the injury list, what are your guys' initial thoughts going into Sunday? I think that we have some players that are somewhat getting healthy now. Like you said, uh, Trent McDuffie. I'm looking at the Chiefs injury report as well. I don't see him on there, mainly because he's still in the injury reserve, so they don't have to activate him until late. So I feel like they're kind of just waiting to see if Bucker can play this week and then doing all their roster moves once he's available, ready to go. That's the one that kind of like is a little weird to me, but injury injury reserve is a weird situation as well. Yeah, I forgot he was on the on the IR, so they don't actually have to designate him. Mm-mm. If they pull him up, he's going to play for sure. Yeah. Um, we'll have to I'm, wait. I'm, I'm hoping he does come back. Like, if... If there was a team that we needed to be at full strength for, it's definitely the Bills. Um, Don't forget we're missing Willie Gay due to suspension, so that hurts. And, you know, Raiders game, we could have used him. Bills game, we're definitely going to need him. So the the pieces, Mike Dana coming back after after losing Tershawn Wharton would be huge for us. Trent McDuffie coming back with Fenton dealing with an injury would be huge for us. Like – you know, we don't know all the specifics. We don't know if they're going to play, but you, you got to hope that because this is this is the game we kind of needed to be full strength for. You know, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be tough, uh, but it most likely will not be the last time we see these guys this year either, regardless of the outcome uh, in week six. Um, before we go too much into breaking or going into game expectations, one of the things uh, that I saw today was really neat. It comes from at How About Those Chiefs. He's got a big YouTube channel, his fastest growing YouTube channel this year, I believe. Blew up most this specifically year, yeah. for the Chiefs. He has great content. Make sure to go check him out on YouTube. Um, but he did uh, some looking, and we have sack leaders for 2022 so far. And that starts off in first place right away. Legereus Sneed with three. We've got a tie at second place with Carlos Dunlap, Chris Jones, and Nick Bolton. If you would have told me before the beginning of the season that we would have had a, a corner at first place for sacks and a linebacker tied for second place in sacks, I'd have told you you're nuts. That's wild. Uh, for as little production as uh, Frank Clark has had, he's credited with one and a half sacks, which is pretty neat. Darius Harris, who's filling in for uh, Willie Gay, does also have one. Um, and Karloftis just last week was credited with his half a sack. So he's technically finally on the board um, after being in the backfield of most games, which is really surprising. How do you think that will shape up going forward? Are we going to continue to have uh, a corner and a linebacker that lead us in sacks or – is our defensive line going to step up? I, I said if they continue to play like they did in week one, that uh, they would be a top five defensive line. But clearly that has came back to bite me in the butt uh, because they just don't look that good. Yeah, I mean, give them a little bit more time once they figure out how they're going to switch everybody around. Once Carl Office comes along a little bit more, it'll be a little bit better for the defensive line. But if we keep blitzing with the cornerback like Legereus Sneed like this, 
expect him to get a lot more sacks. With the blitzing that we do with the linebackers, expect Nick Bolton to get a few more sacks. Spags is really throwing a lot of different blitzes at the quarterbacks on the opposing team. So who knows? We may still have a leader that is not a defensive lineman at sacks by the end of the year. You know, I'm going to be completely honest. I I love all the pressure that Spags has been bringing this year. But we it's no secret that we've been worried about the defensive line since well before the draft, well before, like since last year. We know we have one solid who is the highest graded defender by PFF this year, Chris Jones. We know who we have in him. But every everybody else, I've said it you know just last week. There's nobody else there's nobody else proven so we we have to do the things that Spags has been implementing as as far as mixing up the blitz the blitzes and trying to confuse the offense, not letting them know where our guys are coming from. Um, and Legarius Sneed in the slot corner is is one of the closer guys to the line of scrimmage to be able to get those sacks. So expect him to continue to be schemed in the defense for getting straight shots on the quarterback. Nick Bolton's just a monster, so I expect both Legarius Need and Nick Bolton to stay within our sack leaders just because of the level of talent that we have on the D-line. We know we have to supplement their production. We know we have to get more guys involved with the pass rush. Um, and when we have an athletic defensive tackles like Kalen Saunders, you know, you know, fake some blitzes, fake some looks, drop him back in coverage, bring somebody else. That's going to continue to happen through the rest of the season, for sure. Let's stay with the Kansas City Chiefs defense going in on Sunday against the Bills and who they're going to have to line up against. Josh Allen's a big, tough guy. We've had problems bringing quarterbacks down last year, and it continues to go into this year. Um, their offensive line is strong. Uh, Devin Singletary, very good running back. You've got Stephon Diggs, uh, Gabriel Davis, Isaiah McKenzie, the list go Dawson Knox. The list goes on with the weapons that these guys have. Given that Trent McDuffie's still in the IR, so we have to assume that he's going to be out. And given that Rashad Fenton is listed as a non-participant through through the entire week uh, so far, it, it's looking a little rough. What are your guys' expectations on how this defense can hold um, and what they'll need to do to to limit Josh Allen in that offense? on Sunday. I think they'll be able to stop the running backs for the bills because the running backs for the bills cannot really run. Their only rushing really comes from Josh Allen. Uh, look for him to spread the ball out a lot throughout their receiving core. Dawson Knox may actually get involved this week, but our rookies against their proven receivers is going to be very interesting to watch. And after what Gabe Davis did last week and what he did to us in the playoffs last year, look for Josh Allen to look for him a lot. Yeah, regular season last year, Dawson Knox also went off against us. He had a really long touchdown reception. Um, I, I don't think he had very many receptions, but like his one long one really like showed out and he had a couple of other kind of crucial receptions in the game. Um, I don't expect him to have as big of a game against us as he did last year in the regular season, but the the receiving core as a, as a whole really does 
scare me, especially with the injuries we're dealing with and Trent McDuffie not being back. Um, I, do I expect the defense to hold the Bills? No. I do expect Josh Allen to have the most rushing yards on the Bills, and I also expect it to pretty much be a shootout. I don't I've, – I've had my reservations about this defense – since before the season, I don't think you know, I don't think we hold them under 20 points. I, I don't think th- this is gonna be this is gonna be damn near a shootout um, and, and the real test is going to be our offense versus their defense. Um, Gabe Davis is that guy. If we're gonna double digs, I, I'm not really sure we have to worry about Knox put Darius Harris on him. He, he's been kind of weak this year. Um, uh, he is a threat, obviously, if left alone, but uh, I think – it's. I'm pretty sure the Dawson Knox reception from the regular season of last year is one of the ones where Tyron Matthews throws his hand, throwing his hands <laughs> up because Daniel Sorensen blew the coverage. We don't have Daniel Sorensen anymore. So, <laughs> And and that's, that's one of the things I was going to point out is like over the top we are much – deeper and stronger than we have been in, in previous years. Um, you've got Justin Reed back there. You've got Juan who is healthy and flying all over the field and quarterbacks do not want to go after him. Where we're going to have to worry at the most is probably in at the slot. I'm assuming that LJ is probably going to have to stay out wide, both with Gabe Davis and Stefan Diggs. Um, so whoever's covering the slot, inside is probably with Isaiah McKenzie or, or given Dawson Knox um, or some other unknown receiver that they have in their depth chart. Uh, it's probably, probably going to have a pretty big day. I would say um, offensively, the chiefs are going into this game. It's in Arrowhead. This is the first time that Patrick Mahomes, a, a Patrick Mahomes led chiefs team is an underdog at home. This is only the ninth time in Patrick Mahomes' career that he has been a underdog, period. That means eight previous times he's been an underdog. This is the first time making it his ninth underdog appearance, first at home. How do we think this offense gets along knowing our poor start in Indianapolis our fired up start and finish in Tampa and our very slow, ugly start against the Raiders on Monday night football. Well, I think they're going to be able to come prepared. This is one of those weeks. It seems like the, every other week they come prepared and they know that the bills are a scary team. They know they're one of the top teams in the AFC. So the offense may come ready to play right as the game starts this time. Yeah, we better hope we have the offense we saw in the first half of the Tampa Bay game. Because if we get down, it's going to be a lot harder for Pat to come back against this team than it was against the Raiders. A thousand percent. I'm really looking to see if yeah. the Bills uh, just rush four or if they send more than four because they do that a lot. They love doing that, and we'll see if they can get pressure with that. Be honest, man. Like, like we just we're just honest for a second. All three of us. I'm I'm nervous for this game. I'm very scared. This is our toughest matchup of the year. Even though they're down multiple defensive backs, like 
they they were still able to play a very tough and close game and probably should have won against the Dolphins uh, with Tyreek and Jalen Waddle. I don't know if we're going to be able – we're obviously not going to be able to blow the top off the place. I, MVS, his his results against the, the Raiders, is it, it's not sustainable. It's not real. Juju's routes, as Sean said, looked really good, but he hasn't done a whole lot this season. Like I am worried about how the offensive the, the the offense for the Chiefs have replicated results so far into the season. I'm not necessarily nervous. It's it's the fact that my my expectations are tempered. Like I, I I'm truly curious as to what team is going to show up on Sunday? Like that's that's all it really boils down to because this Kansas City Chiefs team has shown there's like two different sides of them, and it's kind of been that way throughout our history. But like let's let's be honest, like we we Chiefs teams, even when they're good, like there's always that thought in the back of your mind, like we're gonna we're gonna do something to maybe cost us a game or a season, like. It, it whoever shows up on Sunday, it's it's going to be really telling. Okay, like, are we going to get more of penalties, mistakes, uh, lack of motivation? Like, that's that's really the only thing it comes down to. Yeah, and what what I am a little less nervous about is playing the Bills. They aren't the best in close games. Their major wins are always blowouts. So having them in a close game, we'll see what they can do with that because we've been in many close games. We know how to play like that. I don't know if the Buffalo Bills necessarily know how to do that yet. What are some of the keys to Sunday's game uh, offensively and defensively for you guys? Offensive line play. Offensive line play and – and how do we stop their receivers on defense, how, or not necessarily stop? How do we how do we manage the receiver's production on offense? Because we we if McDuffie, I mean even if McDuffie plays, we got a lot of we got a lot of rookies in the secondary, um, but we we kind of know that McDuffie's going to raise the level of play for us a bit, but we don't have proven guys going up against for the most part, a proven set of receivers. Yeah, I think offensively, we just need to keep it fresh, mix it up a little bit. We can't come out doing the same things we've done over and over again where we just stall out drives right away. You need to find different ways to get your receivers open, get the running backs to ball in open space instead of plays that necessarily aren't the ones they should be running right there. And defensively, uh, really try to corral Josh Allen put a QB spy on him, really try to limit his running opportunities because he is still the only way they can really run the ball over there. Offensively for me, it's going to be execution. Uh, kind of kind of the theme that we've been talking about today is execute. Like we can't go in with the problems that we've had outside of the Tampa game um, and, and the Cardinal game. It, it has got to, you, you got to convert every single time. First down, second down, third down, fourth down. Every single time, it's execution, moving the ball. Defensively, um, I'm going to say it's pressure. 
Uh, Josh Allen does really well, much like Patrick Mahomes under pressure. But if you can beat down that offensive line, they start to get a little weak. We've seen that happen throughout the season against the Ravens and against um, the Dolphins. That offensive line will get tired. They will get weak and they will open up holes to get to Josh Allen and take him down. I think the way that Spags has been playing the defense this year, um, there is a definite opportunity to be able to disrupt Josh Allen and what that offense can do as long as pressure is created. With that said, what are our picks and what is the score? You have the uh, over-under right now? Uh, yes, I'm sorry. The Kansas City Chiefs are a two-and-a-half-point underdog by a sports book that shall not be named. And then what's and, the total points? Well, hold on. Correct me if I'm wrong. Pat's undefeated as a dog, right? Uh, if I, I remember correctly, Patrick Mahomes is undefeated as a dog. How do you bet against that, man? <laughs> okay. It's tough. I'm gonna go ahead and uh, I'm gonna go ahead and choose the Chiefs. Thirty-five, thirty-one. That's a high-scoring game. I like it's that. The number one and number two offense in the league. Am I wrong? You're not wrong. It don't matter what defense we're facing. Like Pat's gonna get, Pat's gonna get his. Yeah, I just like points, man. Uh, give me the Chiefs. Thirty-eight, thirty-four. We've got some somewhat low-scoring games, I feel like. The over-under on this one, I'm sorry I did not give that to you sooner, is 54. Um, so you guys are blowing that one out of the water, but I think we could be seeing a resurgence of the 2019 Rams game um, to an extent. That's been talked about in the media. They, they think this game's going to be – it could be one of those games that scores over 100 points total. Both, both defenses are clearly lacking um, – the way the Bills have been playing, man, I have to give it to them. Even though it's at home, I think the Chiefs get their second loss this week. I deserve that. I deserve that. And I deserve a slap in the face. I do. It feels bad, man. If, for, for you audio listeners, I just got two birds thrown right my way. Um, I'm going to take the Bills. It's a high-scoring affair. I, honestly, I would expect this game to go to overtime. Uh, the, Can- the, the Kansas City Chiefs lose to the Buffalo Bills. Not the coin toss. <laughs> uh, 41, excuse me, 45 to 42. All right. All right. Close game. Blasphemous piece of shit. I am. I am. <laughs> deserved a rotten hell for that one. Well, folks, we've got a hell of a game coming at 325 on Sunday. Make sure to tune in for that one. We've got the NFL show coming up next. Make sure to tune in on there. Bob and Bo show on Twitter and YouTube. Tybo needs some top fives. Throw them our way. And as always, go Chiefs. Go Chiefs. Go Chiefs.